You're listening to The Tech Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next hour we're going to talk about all things tech. I'm joined by my lovely fellow presenter, Paul Armstrong. Hi Paul. Hello, how are you doing? Yes, good, good. Now you've just come back from Las Vegas, haven't you? I did, I did. I was at the Consumer Electronics Show, CES for short. Mm, So I want to hear all about that in a minute. Okay. Uh, We're joined by two lovely guests. I've got Hayley Friedman of Charge It!, and John Taylor of Action AI. So today we're going to be talking about wireless charging and chatbots, both of which I'm very interested in, actually. Yeah, no, Genuinely. Same. Yeah, no. Uh, the wireless charging just drives me insane. So um, I've seen uh, Haley's stuff, so we just need it everywhere. So if you're out there and you're a government person or a school or a university or a business or a council, can you hurry up and get Haley's stuff on board? Because <laughs> we all need it desperately, <laughs> desperately. So before we turn to that, um, Paul, tell us about Las Vegas. So, so exactly how big now is the Consumer Electronics Show? So for people in Britain, uh, it's as big as Wembley times four. So it's massive. And that includes Wembley Stadium. Wembley Stadium. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so it's absolutely huge. Um, but if you can imagine, um, what was it? I think they said 40 football pitches. That's about um, the same sort of thing if it was back-to-back squished and everything like that. So it's absolutely huge, heaving. There are people from every walks of life, um, you know, journalists, um, PR people, sellers, all of that sort of stuff. And some stands are, as Samsung put out, cities, which are absolutely huge, sprawling messes of like, this is what the room of the future will look like. Wireless charging was everywhere. So I'm glad we're talking about that today. Um, One of the big trends this year was um, cars and sort of services of the future. And Ford's CEO um, really stood out for me as a keynote, um, speaking about how the cities of the future need to be solving the problems that cars have uh, created for them and that sort of stuff. So we saw driverless cars, which were um, just going to deliver pizzas. So they've done deals with Domino's and Postmates, which is like Uber, but for anything you want, you know, they'll deliver anything to you. Um, so, yeah, so it was and a real... How's, how's that driverless car thing going to work? Um, if, if you uh, if you sort of live in Manchester, you know, you've got the, you've got the trams running through the city centre, which yep. they're only allowed on that bit. Obviously, cars aren't. Is yep. that how the driverless car thing's going to work, where you just get a section of the road dedicated to driverless cars or, or are they going to be like zooming in and out of us other people driving? So it's one way that it could work for sure but the way that they're actually thinking at the moment is they're using things called LiDAR which is basically super intelligent consu- um, computer vision where it basically mimics the human eye and it looks for things like um, people, dogs, movements, old dogs, all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And there's a great test online to figure out how nice a car person you would be if you were building AI oh, into a car. Wow. So you like figure out whether you would kill more fat people or people who like to exercise and all of that sort of stuff. It's great. What, just because of the natural way in which you drive? Just the way, no, 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 the way you think. Oh, the way you know, think, So you oh, decide oh, who oh, dies oh, in scenarios. Oh, I think oh, there's oh, an MIT and that sort of stuff. It doesn't feel particularly politically correct, that one, Paul. No, but, but that's what they've, that's what they're coming up with and this is one of the things that they were talking about the ethics of artificial intelligence it was huge this year um and cars are obviously a big one um but the argument is that they will drive pretty much like you and i would you know we would swerve occasionally to hopefully get out of the way but um the cars will talk to each other so they'll know left will talk to right and right will talk to three in front and that sort of stuff based on everyone knowing where everyone else is going as in i'm just about to overtake now can you just stay there yeah or like hey i've been doing 60 miles an hour don't bother me he's asleep or whatever it is it could be (laughs) lots of different so god it's scary Mm. well i kind of like it in a way because you've really got to get to that 
um, point in humanity where you go like, a car is just a thing to get you from A to B. This whole pleasure of driving rubbish. I'd be like, I've never found one <gasps> I person. love driving. No, I see. I don't right, really I found one did. person. I actually <laughs> love driving. Love it. Well, it's funny love you it, say love that. It, love it. We are different generations. And speed. Are we not, Sue? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and speed as well. I mean, it's about speed. I think. I think human beings do like speed. So I think between you don't, but I do. Well, no, I don't mind speed. You mm. know, and that sort of thing. But um, I think there will be, you know, another industry that will pop up where it'll be like, yeah, go and drive a car and be unsafe. Go nuts. Sign this form. You know, and that sort of stuff. Um, so it'll just become a leisure activity as opposed to a something yeah, to that, a, something we've got to do because when yeah. you think um, the way that you know we were thinking about it um just chatting uh, amongst a few of us when we were out there we're like well is the cinema of the future going to only hold four people so if you all want to watch i don't know madagascar 57 or whatever it is <laughs> and you just like go in bundle in that car and you get to your place but you also get to watch it based on your time to drive so and then do you take scenic routes is it just like to avoid congestion you know all these questions that cars have thrown up we can now start to figure out like, right we should solve that one or this one's really easy hmm. so that was one so yeah you've got wireless chargers um what do you call it um cars of the future and sort of services that will build up around them and then the other one which was really interesting which i kept seeing a lot in very different verticals and industries was health and wellness Mm -hmm. much more than you've seen in like previous years so um you would start to see instead of like rubbish massage um shoes which exist and i have photos to prove it and they are not very comfortable um you have things like beds that are in um what do you call it infused with technology right. so they will figure out how well you're sleeping based on how you're tossing and turning and then change the position accordingly so for some people that will remove snoring other people it might be like oh you want to be a bit warmer no problem got you covered you know and that sort of thing wow. and the price points of these are coming way down if that was what can, was really interesting if you can stop blokes from snoring that is just going to revolutionize the whole world <laughs> i looked into that in my Christmas, opinion because i was going to do a gift because my mum um uh, and dad both snore and they annoy each other um and uh, <laughs> oh, that's oh. What, that was one of my learnings <laughs> yeah. and um they said we need something like, it just can't continue like this, you know. Yeah, because you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, I am actually going to stab you. Yeah. I hate you so much. And, of course, <laughs> it's actually not that person's fault at no, all. And, no, And you end up in the morning and they don't understand why you really just want to kill them. Yeah, but also when you think about the knock-on effects that snoring yeah. has, it's like you feel tired, you make bad decisions, mm. you cost more for, like, you don't make bad food choices. So it's got a massive knock-on effect. So if someone mm. can figure that out, and half the time it's like, obviously, people have um, skin around their necks, which is, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's not going away, but it is a, a big thing that causes a lot of problems. So that was quite interesting as well. But, um, but, but, but other yeah. sorts of healthcare stuff, a lot of uh, sort of people trying to live at home with conditions yeah, and lots of technology to help on that. A I'm lot guessing. of that. One of the big things that I saw, which was a big trend in general, was air quality, right. um, which has come to a forefront of a lot more because a lot of people's homes don't have adequate air supply. So the air that you've got in there, you either purify it or you know you've got a problem and then you're like, oh, right, let's go out or do something, open a window. And so it was a bit more of helpful um, tech, whereas before in previous years, I think everyone could argue that it has been a little bit more pie in the sky health. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, oh, test your own blood levels at home, which you can absolutely do these days that sort of stuff but it's now figuring out and what's the result of that so it's helping you really be better rather than just identify which yeah. is a real you know it's good for me as a tech writer to sort of see that it's progression on that little bit yeah, yeah yeah so it's quite interesting no real standouts this year is like uh, everyone talked about the 65 inch um, rollable screen from lg which uh, everyone quoted as space saving but i don't see how it could be if it rolls out of a wall it's got to live somewhere um but uh, no that's just space saving when it's not there when it's not but when it's not there it just looks rubbish you know <laughs> it's weird like the whole point is to roll it up 
you know, and that's yeah. the point. That's almost like, whoa, you know, it's better than what you're going to watch on television. So, um, yeah, that was that was a weird one. But um, no, it was, it was a it was good to sort of see a lot more thinking going behind tech. Mm. That's something I've definitely missed for a lot of so, years. So people are moving beyond the novelty of, oh, look what we can do. It's look what we can do. Yeah. Sh- should we do it? We've done it. It yeah, can help exactly. you with this, this, this. And so it's beginning to have much better practical applications now. You think that's the that's the challenge, really? Definitely the trend and the challenge. I think there's still a lot of companies out there that make a lot of new shiny and it doesn't really add much when you're mm. adding to it. But there are a lot more people that I'm seeing out there that are thinking about things and how people are using services. Tech for good? Definitely tech for good, yeah, for which sure. Is, which is where we should be heading. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, just bringing in Hayley, really, what, what were you seeing in terms of, of, of phone charging and, and, and people's, you know, annoyance and perception of having a most amazing thing in your pocket? Yeah. Which, which is beyond belief, really, yeah. what, what a mobile exactly phone what can do. do um, but, well, and because it's so amazing, the battery life is dreadful. Yeah. Um, um, what's, what, what did you see there? So if you want to see some really angry people that really understand <laughs> how to get the most out of their technology, go to CES, because you've got literally a room full of journalists. Um, so there were, obviously you've got um, lithium batteries and sort of solid state batteries um, like you would carry around. But then there are also, the, the biggest trend at the moment was wireless charging, obviously, because every, every phone company is pretty much pushing everyone there and that sort of thing. I don't want to carry an extra blooming battery around with me. You know, or a battery pack. Yeah. I, I just don't want to do it. Well, I mean, the argument is, and you can correct me when I'm wrong later, Hayley, but... Uh, don't worry, I'll yeah, good. <laughs> I'm up for it. I was like, everyone just wants phone people to make the ultimate phone that they never have to buy a new one. But obviously that doesn't mean phone people stay in business for long. No, so let's very... assume that's yeah. probably on the periphery of happening. But, um, so yeah, so you've got your solid state stuff, which you can carry around. It's what I like to call emergency. Mm. But if, like you say, and you want um, Starbucks to have charging units and you just put your phone down, it's charging and that sort of stuff, that's great. There are security concerns with all of that, as with every technology and that sort of thing. But I think definitely we're going to get there. My argument and what we saw at CES was should one person own this should it just be built in is it going to be built in? all of that sort of stuff so we started to see things like um, the base of a light was um, wireless charging and Ikea's come out with that last year and that sort of thing you started to see that baked into pretty much everything you saw right now. that's interesting um, and then there was a smart I'm forgetting the name and I apologise for them to do it but you start to saw um, pads which can go underneath carpets and things like that so if you're doing yoga for example you've got a floor that is now wireless charging <laughs> huge problems to solve right. but when you think also that um, it was about education so when kids are there and they obviously you know sometimes they can't put a device um, a charging device in properly and that sort of stuff you can solve real problems which actually do have an impact mm. so again it's you know I, I was i'll admit on that one i was searching for it but we found it in the end the yeah. use for it yeah. but there um but there are lots more coming and obviously um car charges in so battery charges in the car yeah. and wireless chargers that's a big one that we kept seeing lots of like spaces in these cars of the futures but no one really putting any bets on what's going to be there yeah yeah you know, so you've got a charging unit but actually when you think about what a wireless charge means it means a car's going to rattle around when you're going away so mm-hmm. it's an interesting one that they've got to fix really it's really so, so Hayley um surely our, our sort of thing that we're aiming for is that now you can get wi-fi pretty much anywhere you know everybody's bought into that shops and retail and offices understand that if you offer that it's a benefit to everybody, and you don't charge people for it, by the way. Um, not, not anymore. No, <laughs> uh, not anymore, yeah. be, because it's, it's so prevalent. Um, so what's the future f- for you of this sort of wireless charging? Is that how you see it? Is it, it's going to be like Wi-Fi, it's going to be available to everybody? Exactly. You, know, you go back, as you mentioned before, we carry around these amazing pieces of you know, technology that run our lives, you know, through watching my children, that they don't even talk to their friends. Everything is done through tap, tap, tap. Mm. Um, 
we expect so much from such a tiny little thing um, and it can't keep it can't keep pace with us for one thing and that is the battery yeah so my background is telecoms so supplying mobile phones to big organizations and their big bugbear well my nokia lasted a week but your nokia didn't do very much you know yeah. and now yeah. we have apple 10 years ago launching the smartphone which then took over from blackberry um, you can't change the battery. You can't. You can't carry a spare battery. No. So, as you said, you have to carry around an awful battery pack, which you have to remember to charge. And you spend in the region now of a thousand pounds on a phone to then put a battery pack on it to make it look like you may as well have bought a cheap phone. But, but there's a real dilemma with the phone manufacturers, isn't there? It's because we don't want a heavy phone. We don't want a big phone, mm. and therefore the space. When you consider the just the pure, you know power of, of these things the processing power that what space is there for a battery i mean it's this is minute isn't it because we all expect to carry something as small as mm. they've allowed us to to this point mm. so one of the things they had to fix was making the batteries better mm. have they got to us as to the best that they can ever get to probably not and i got a new phone a couple of weeks ago the battery is fine but i know what will happen in six, six to seven months time six, that six battery months. will start to, yeah. to to fade away mine is already and it's only six months old and it's driving me nuts. right and actually i've got a little bit of i've got a bit of a phone anxiety in the in that i haven't got any money with me today in london if if you know if my phone goes i can't pay for anything it's funny we, we were talking you know, about that the weekend and it's not just about you know or or my parking runs out and i i can't find out how we, many minutes left really, i've got left you know my let alone not yeah. being able to text or phone anybody. You know, there's so many other things I'm using it for that if it's suddenly the train goes down, time. Oh, I'm the, in such a mess. Absolutely, the train time. Mm. We were talking about this over the weekend. I don't, very rarely now, I can put £20 in my purse and it will still be there at the end of the week mm. because we all use, you know, our Apple Pay and, and things like that or we use a debit card. Let alone Google Maps. I mean, I have no, I have no clue where I am unless I've got that on my phone. Um, so you should download the offline version of that. It yeah. saves so much battery. Mm. Top tip. Top tip. <laughs> Top, tips. Top tip from Paul. Um, so it's interesting that we were saying that actually how long will it be before we don't even carry debit cards because we, you know, these phones are so easy now mm. with Apple Pay and Google Pay. Should mention them as well. Um, but I mean, I, 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 I've got Monza, but I won't use it because it's not on Apple Pay and it's useless. It's getting there, don't worry. I hope it, will is, it needs to hurry it will up. Do. It's all it on, will the, do. It's all on the pipeline. Because I'm, exactly. I'm so used to paying with my phone. Monza's hopeless for me at the moment until they get that facility. It's like ping it and all of those things. We get used to certain things. Mm. So if another bank can't offer it or another service can't offer it, we won't move to it because mm. we like what we like. Mm. So with regards to, to charging and Wi-Fi, we don't even need Wi-Fi as much as we used to. We have enough data in our packages today. You know, a couple mm. of years ago, you were paying extortionate amounts if you went over your data package. Now, 10 gigabytes, 20 gigabytes is, is pretty much the norm. And so does it, so it needs to be for the kids that are downloading, streaming music and mm. Snapchat and all the photos that they do. So the only thing we we kind of really need today is power and mm. accessible power. We don't want to worry about charging our phones because we've remembered a cable. We don't want to be a naughty little school person walking into a building and trying to find the one plug socket that we're allowed to use. I mean, how many how many coffee shops have I been in and go right? I can't go in those and I'm bloody plugs. Yeah, exactly. And even if there is a plug, <laughs> is there? You decide whether you're going to patronise. Yeah, is, is, there, is there a cable? I'm desperate. So you know, the, the technology has been around. For a while, Samsung adopted it, you know, 
quite a while ago and so did a lot of other of the phone manufacturers. Mm. Apple finally, you know, launched it in October for the 8, um, the X, and anything further forward now will have wireless charging. And that's now allowed venues to understand, okay, we're there. You know, Apple have now gone with it, so the mm. technology is compatible mm. with users. It's really interesting how many people don't realise that they go and buy the latest phone, that they have the technology. But once they've used it just like Wi-Fi, they will never then buy another device that yeah. doesn't have it. Yeah. So it's exactly as Wi-Fi was. We, we wouldn't even think about buying a TV now that didn't have Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. We, we would think about, do we want the fridge that's got Wi-Fi because the technology's coming to know whether I've used the lettuce and therefore it'll be added to my Tesco or Sainsbury's or Waitrose shop. So it's it's really interesting how everything is becoming, you know, Big Brother talking about artificial intelligence, talking about what kind of drivers, you know, and does that mean every artificial car that's on the road driving for us, everyone's going to be a nice driver? Are we going to lose all the... No. Do we, will we no longer need the horn to, to say, you aggressive driver, get out my way and things like that? I've got a couple of fingers for that. Everybody get off the road when Sue comes back. That's, that's what we're I'm with Sue. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy driving. Yeah, As I'm sure, getting I'm older, I'm not a lover of driving in the night, but I do love yeah. driving. But so, what's your number... Okay, let me just challenge that yeah, one second. On. What's your number one thing that you want more of? Keeping it clean? No, well, you can do it. Keeping clean? Yeah, <laughs> Is that your number one problem? <laughs> what are you talking about? Most people go, I want more time back. Oh, time, right. okay. Less yeah. traffic. <clears throat> less traffic, right? You could say less traffic or more time. Or just more time. Just more time wrong, in your what's day. What's your list of priorities in life? You go, be happy, have more time with my family, right? Or whatever, friends and family. Yeah. And one thing that driving does is sucks up your time, especially if you're driving with Sue, you should probably have an accident. But anyway. But, uh, <laughs> That's harsh. But, but Very you harsh. could also argue the fact that these devices and the fact that people expect you to be at the end of it 24-7 actually uses all of your time so whereas when i was younger i left the office i left the office mm. no one could get hold of me now it's this expectation if you send somebody an email after work they're going to reply to you and generally they do ah so here's so, my thing with that I was okay. like, you are allowing them to do that behavior and i will say this to a lot of execs that i work with and they go oh well i could never and you're like how and did it work before you had that thing in my you know? company agreed in my company people aren't allowed to uh, answer emails at uh, the weekend so, absolutely yeah, right so that's, that's becoming that's, a company policy, policy. Yeah, policy. Yeah. okay and i think mm. that's really very important because mm. i don't think people have the quality of life they did because of the technology mm-hmm. that, that is on our at our fingertips constantly. Yeah, but if, if we move back to the to, to, to the wireless charging, explain what charge it actually does and how how on earth have you managed to break into that? Okay, because it's, it's it's not a consumer cell, is it? It's it, a business it, to business no, cell I mean, in a way. We we sort of there there is a very large consumer part of it, and that's yeah. when you buy a phone with wireless charging. You might want to buy something and put it by your bedside table yeah. that you can put your phone down at night. But that takes you back to the kids taking it and things like that and someone, you know, breaking. What what Charge It aims to do is actually put it into public space where it's integrated into the infrastructure. So it's in the furniture. You cannot take it. It cannot be tampered with. It's tested. It's safe. The venue knows that it's safe. Um, and somebody can just put their phone down and it will charge at a at a rate that's the same as charging into a wall socket. And, and is that automatic? You wouldn't yes. even know. It, it just well, charges almost. You, you will put your phone down and the phone will just start charging. Yeah. So it's it's the case of user education and understanding 
okay, that means that sign, which is Qi, um, QI, pronounced Qi, that means that that's compatible with my phone, that means I can charge it. Once you've educated anybody once, they know how to use that's the technology. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what was surprising about people who have got the, the technology already in their phones and don't understand what it does. So, so have I, I mean, I've got iPhone 6 here. Is, is that already got it? That hasn't. You would need to buy the latest from iPhone 8. However, <coughs> however... There are cases... Paul's looking really smug. <laughs> and the reason you're looking smug, Paul, is because you have an iPhone 8, don't you? No, an oh. iPhone 10. Oh. The X. But also because Paul bought it in America and saved himself a lot of money. That's yeah, fair enough. Yeah, probably... You probably yeah. I won't get into what that was, was yeah. for saving, but yes. So, but there are cases that you can put an iPhone 6 into and okay. it will be completely compatible. So it's a case of being future-proof, but still allowing the slightly older generation of phones to be compatible so that you can solve a problem to 100% of the people today, but not worrying about dongles and things that you have to bridge where the venues become responsible for those. Make make the responsibility back to the user to go and buy a case Put it on their phone and now be able to use but wireless charging. It's going to be standard on every phone, isn't it? It's going to be exactly. what, within a year or something. Else, exactly. If not already. And battery anxiety really is, uh, you know, hopefully no one's a hypochondriac because I'm just about to give you all a new ailment. But battery anxiety really is an everyday occurrence to people. You get on the train and your phone starts going into that yellow zone. You start to panic. Nothing's going to happen to you, but it's what we're what we're conditioned my battery's going to go down what happens if the train fails what happens if i get to the other end and my car doesn't start mm. you know you get on the train and it's 80 percent. none of those thoughts go into your head mm. but because your battery starts to, to be low all of these anxieties start to kick in and, and we've all been there mm. you know so it was funny john, john was... do you get battery anxiety sorry paul all the time but i've got yeah. a, i've got an iphone 6 uh, i'm cursed like you are oh, <laughs> you have to wait till our bloody uh, thing uh, uh, our uh, you know, what well, you call you, contract. Well, of course, out. you pop into Apple if you can ever get an appointment with them. They'll now replace the battery for about 20 quid. So that's what I did the other day. So that, mm. that, that's a good tip. And then they'll change your screen yes. for you for nothing too. So it's quite handy mm. if they'll see you. But anyway. Uh, if you can even get anybody to see you. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say about the um, battery anxiety. I was um, lucky enough to get a ticket to the Chris Rock show at the O2. And um, there was a couple of interesting things that I saw. So first of all, you walked in, you were given this pouch, which is made by a company called Yonder, which basically um, you put your phone in so you can't actually use it. But what we were hearing as we were walking out, because obviously I'm like scribbling down what I'm hearing people say about this stuff, because uh, that's what I was writing about. Was, as much as I love Chris Rock, I was more interested in the technology <laughs> to block people taking uh, uh, his uh, voice and sort of jokes and that sort of stuff. And at the end they were saying, oh, wow, well, at least I've got battery in my phone left. And it was that what that was one of the first things that they said about it. So definitely agree with you. I think battery life and phones definitely goes hand in hand um, and that sort of stuff. And do you think that's another new development is, is, is phone blocking so that when we do go to concerts or we go to somewhere where there's sensitive information or, yeah. or, 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 or there's going to be phone blocking? Well, I, th- I think that makes sense. Like when oh, I'm at businesses please, at the I moment so. and I see the screens and they've got no protectors on and I'm a member of the media and if I see something that it's in open forum and I've been invited in, I'm like, I can write about that legally. Mm-hmm. So you would think like people should be protecting themselves. So yeah, I think blocking, I think all of that sort of stuff has got to come. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking with the O2 to get their sort of take on how this is actually helping them and that sort of stuff. Because really, when you think about blocking people taking photos and videos, that kind of harms their venue because people go, oh, I haven't really seen the experience, quote mm-hmm. unquote. But, but it I'm just means sure more official blocking- versions. Would affect somebody being able to use their phone for photos or video. 
it would block it for signal. Block it for signal. That's why they put them in these lockable pouches. So that's where Yonder okay. figured it out. It wasn't just a Faraday bag, which stops all um, yeah, yeah. stuff coming out. But it was um, basically, it's the same technology oh, that they use. Bunker or something. Yes, <laughs> but they use it. Um, you know H&M, where they put a tag on your thing? Hmm. That's the same technology. It's just a magnet unlocking and locking a device and that sort yeah. of stuff. So, yeah, it was okay. weird. But it was really interesting to see just a mm -hmm. black room of no phones, no nothing, no Hooray. flashes or anything. Hooray. It was a really, real experience, really, my goodness. It was Hooray. a really, yeah, but I can remember way more jokes than I ever would. Yeah, exactly. yeah of course. So exactly. that was good. So Hayley, um, in, in, for Charge It, you've set the company up. Um, how long has it been going and, and, and what's your sort of ambitions? <laughs> um, be Prime Minister. Don't do that. It's too mm. hard. Work. <laughs> hey, Bless got to want it enough. Bless her little <laughs> cotton socks. Nobody um, wants to be that. Um, we set up Charge It as a thought process about three, four years ago. Um, something that I'd been looking at technology for a while because of the telecoms background. Mm. Um, got together with some other clever people. Um, we all thought it was a good idea, but the technology wasn't right. And tried and tested a few different things. Um, Time, and, timing has to be right in business. Exactly. It? And you early. can have the best invention in the world, but if nothing's compatible with it, it's not going to succeed. Mm. So you had to wait for the manufacturers to, to decide what technology it was that was right and for them to adopt it. So the fact that, as I said before, Apple adopting it and launching it from October it just made the whole thing that makes sense. And That's the last that, floodgate to open. Exactly. Sure. You know, and, it, and it's so interesting how powerful Apple are with regards to this. You know, that Samsung had it and nobody spoke about it. Apple do it and it's, you know, the biggest speaking point of all. Um, so for for us, it's it's been a challenge with regards to venues understanding and adopting it because if it, it wasn't compatible to now, them all getting it and understanding that of course it's exactly as Wi-Fi was. And when you adopted yeah. Wi-Fi, it was about making sure you had it because if you didn't, somebody would go somewhere else. Yeah. It's understanding that it will attract uh, the additional footfall, but more than that, it will attract the, 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 the dwell time. Because if you're going to charge your phone, if you want to get 10, 15%, you're going to stay for 10, 15 minutes. Mm. So if you're attracting that dwell time, you then get the loyalty and increased spend and all, all of the things. So, so the whole logic of it, the whole jigsaw puzzle just makes complete sense now. I think you have got your timing spot on now. Thank you, Sue. Um, and I know that you worked at um, Cellcom and uh, Cellular UK. Um, it says in my, my, my research here that you really believe previously... That I hate smart to think where this is going. Mm -mm -mm. Smartphone manufacturers prioritise style over substance, disfavouring battery life. But yes. That, but maybe that's changed now, in your opinion. Well, <laughs> I, I think that was where I was coming from. When you look at the old bricks, and I still have some, um, the, 80, the, Mo the, the Motorola, the 8800s and the 8500s. It's like a suitcase. Yeah, but the whole point of those was it was all about the battery. There was no style at all. And even the Nokias, there was no style. So the style sort of started to come along with the Panasonics and the NECs. Um, Nokia then got a little bit you know, better and the, the Sony Ericssons, if we all remember those. And then BlackBerry, Samsung and Apple. So, so what you're saying is it become a stylized accessory yes, as opposed to before. It was yes. just like function, function, function. Exactly. So mm. and and therefore and the and it was the app revolution. You know, it was the apps mm. that have changed everything. The fact that we can click on something download a ticket or you know and you arrive at an airport now you go to check in you've got your ticket on your phone 
and they'll print off your ticket. You say, no, I don't need it printed off. And you go, we're delayed, aren't we? Because their fear is that my battery is going to be dead by the time I have yeah. to get on the plane. Yeah. So it's a real telltale sign. So the, the concert halls and things like that, a lot of not yet allowed tickets to be downloaded because it's, it's a nightmare. If a phone is, is dead, you can't get into the venue. Mm. So how do you fix that problem? And we're just talking about one you know, one example of mm. ticket environments. But if I was coming out of the station today and my phone wasn't working, I wouldn't, how do I pay to get out of the, the terminal? Do because you know the worst I checked when in that. At home. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, I'd rather be late and go back Are we talking and about get something it. to do with trains not working right? I've not, I've not <laughs> yeah. experienced this myself. But. You know, um, but, take, but we would just rely on our our phones and, and it's not just charging phones, you know, it, it will be tablets, it will be laptops, you know, this is just the beginning, wirelessly charging cars, that's in development, yeah. mm. you know, we want the convenience of something without getting our hands dirty. Yeah. And when you mentioned before about charging phones without worrying about cables, when you're in the car, completely illegal and I'm not endorsing it. this mm -hmm. in any way. How many people drive off and think, oh, I must charge my phone. So you're trying to be very ambidextrous. I'm not going to explain how you do it, but you're trying to plug your phone and your charger same in time. at the same time yeah. of driving. Hopefully you Dangerous. have stopped. Yeah. That then negates that problem yeah. because you just put it down where it will sit and it's now charging. Mm. So the same way as Bluetooth takes over, we, we become safer with certain technology and that is definitely one of them. And if anybody wants to find out about Charge It, they can go on chargeit.co.uk and that's Charge It without a G. So without an E. Please give us the G. C-H-A-R-G-I-T.co.uk. And presumably um, <coughs> people who want to use this technology in their venues can go on there. Um, but what about, what about the consumer side? Consumer side, there, there's an awful lot of products coming out that are available. Um, so some... So, sorry, sorry to interrupt. So, in essence, what you're saying is make yourself compatible. You, you don't provide the the, the 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 sort of products. We have, um, we are developing some consumer products, but it's something that you kind of make a choice of: are you a consumer or are you a business? business yeah. Um, but some of our products that we're bringing out, not because they were coming out for consumers, they were coming out for venues, but they seem to be very much liked for for consumers. But there are there there will be a lot of products, yeah, and as as Paul mentioned before, and what's the point of competing on that? I mean, they'll, they'll exactly, you know, they'll be what fits in your decor. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and and we're we're speaking with a lot of furniture manufacturers, some amazing designers, being very innovative. Mm. Um, we've just done something with one of the largest gaming companies in the world to put wireless charging into a gaming table. So, in a very innovative way, very clever way. Um, again, because in casinos, you want people, again, not advocating. Gambling. Um, <laughs> but advocating gambling. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, with people standing at tables, you don't want them to move away. And yet yeah. they want to listen to music while they're gambling, you know, mm. and, and stupid other things. But it's it's all about just making all of our lives more convenient. You were talking about snoring earlier, you know, and gadgets for snoring. And I bought my other half, because it's a terrible snorer, I bought my other half um, this gadget that I researched that you wear on your wrist. And when you snore, it it, it electrocutes you, you. Oh, it, oh, yeah. Lovely. It, 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 Not where that story was going. <laughs> <but yeah. laughs> make sure you turn it up to the highest level. Oh, well, don't be yeah. worried. I did. I made sure that it would wake up. Anyway, so he, he wakes up thinking, oh, okay, I'm, I must have been snoring and thinking, 
it's, it's still buzzing to find out that it was me snoring that was then setting it off to <laughs> electrocute Perfect. him. Yeah. Needless to say, he never wore it again. <clears throat> and now I've identified that I snore. But it, it's funny because so gadgets and all of this technology in some ways are, are fantastic. And in other ways, we get very consumed about everything. Absolutely. Mm. Well, um, thank you for that, Hayley. What we're going to do is we're going to have a little break. And then uh, we're really looking forward to speaking to John, uh, John Taylor of Action AI, moving over to chatbots. Uh, see you in a couple of minutes. You've joined us at a very good time. Oh, yeah. Yes. Our savvy software development guys have just qualified for a chunky government cash payout thanks to our new friends from Breakthrough Funding. Yeah, sorry, that just slipped out. Government handout? No, not a handout, but recognition for our clever thinking. Now it'll be down to you to help us kick it further forward. Leave it to me. Your company could qualify for Innovation Cash too. Find out online now by answering just six qualifying questions at BreakthroughFunding.com. Yeah! <laughs> Hi there, and we're back on the Tech Talk show. I'm joined by my fellow presenter, Paul Armstrong, and Sarah Luxford's just wandered in. Hello, Sarah. That's <laughs> my other co-presenter. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm very well today. Very well indeed. I'm Is just it a little bit... Southern trains. Yes, good Is it your favourite? <laughs> your favourite, Southern it, Rail? They are number one, absolutely. You love them, don't you? <laughs> Lambasted already. <laughs> Hayley Friedman has, uh, has joined us of Charge It, and we've been talking about uh, wireless charging earlier. And now I'm going to talk to John Taylor of Action AI. Before we talk about what you do, chatbot questions, uh, particularly from Sarah, who wants to know what they are. Um, you studied at the University of Oxford for three years, gaining a degree in politics philosophy and economics ppe uh then you gained a doctorate in politics and economics so we've got a bit of a brain box here so you really can't trust me all that politics yeah then you've been a, you've been a researcher at the house of commons uh, and you were a consultant for the united nations in new york city then you were involved in the new economics foundation and i'm embarrassing you here and now you founded loads of company but now you are chief executive action ai and very old by the sound of that. <laughs> um. No, I just, it's just incredibly impressive. And, and, and obviously you've seen a lot of things recently. And aren't we lucky, actually, um, to, to be seeing all these amazing developments at the moment over the last 10 years? I mean, they have been incredible, haven't they? Yeah, it's been amazing. The changes. And I think Paul touched on it earlier. What excites me most of all is that there's a little bit more of tech for good. 10 years ago, yeah. we all said tech. Mm. And it was kind of a ethically neutral space, I always felt. I'm not saying mm. people weren't trying to do good things, but... Frankly, most people were trying to make money as quickly as possible. Yeah. And that phase is just, I think it's just starting, but I feel that shift. And that's exciting, really exciting. Mm -hmm. If you look at things that the fashion around cryptocurrency, there's so much hype and exuberance. But actually a decentralised model for doing things, democratising that, there's something really compelling, I guess, ethically, potentially. Now, of course, it can be utterly misused, as we all realise. But that trend, I feel it's been the last 10, 15 years. And that excites me most, I think, about what the whole I'm, space. What I'm feeling about tech for good is there's this, this, this sort of, this, this nucleus of, of people who, who realise what it can do and how it can benefit uh, things. And then you've got this sort of charlatan peripheral edge who are thinking, oh, that's interesting, how can I make money and how can I shaft people and how can I do this, that and the other. But that's a thin layer, I think. I think it is. I mean, I lived in Silicon Valley for a couple of years not too long ago. And there everybody says... I've got a multi-billion dollar business. Oh, and I'm going to save the world. That's the cliche, isn't yeah. it? Whatever they're doing. They're automating tennis racket purchasing. I mean, it, it's obviously utterly irrelevant. I think here we're a little bit more, I'd like to think, a little bit more sincere perhaps, and also quite, quite a lot more questioning. So when someone stands on a stage, a young startup says, we're changing the world, and they're not, 
it's pretty hard to get past an investor or any of us in the audience put their hands up politely saying, and what exactly are you improving? So I do feel there's a kind of honesty and integrity that's moved into this space. I mean, it's not perfect. We're still no, in tech. No, it's still fast moving. Absolutely. There are plenty of charlatans, as we all know. Yeah. But I don't think that's the majority of it, which, which is, for me, the most exciting thing. Because 15 years ago, it didn't feel that way. Certainly not, not even in London and certainly not in the United States. Mm. Sarah, are you finding that like, with your sort of connections in the tech world? Are you, are you feeling optimistic that tech for good is a, is a, is a real movement? I think certainly millennials and the younger generation are bringing that through. Um, I think shifts have changed culturally. And we, ever, the companies that interest me have a purpose. And I think that's where we're all resulting back to. And I think we can only see this tech for good uh, expand over the next couple of years. I think it's a very exciting time for, for tech for good. Do you think companies are going to get asked in the future, well, what is your purpose then? Because, because making money and giving money for your shareholders is not enough. Do you think that's going to be a question that people are going to ask? I think it's a question that everybody's asking now. I don't know if you've recently seen uh, the Dirty Money uh, programme on Netflix. I encourage you to, to look at that. But there was an example of a pharmaceuticals company called Valiant. And essentially they hoovered up the industry over in the US in terms of the pharmaceutical industry through M&A alone, hiking prices of uh, specific med medicines that are life-changing for individuals charging from ten dollars and then increasing it up to three hundred dollars overnight and there has to be a moment where we take a step back and think actually what are we doing to society and how is what we're doing as pur purpose and business how is that coming together to deliver something that's effectively going to change the world for the better? But those companies are getting called out now, aren't they? And, and not only do I not want to deal with them, I certainly wouldn't want to work with them or work for them. Absolutely. I think that's another piece. We're seeing um, in the recruitment industry, actually, individuals uh, looking to change roles uh, nine times out of ten. It's not necessarily about the role itself. It's about the company and the culture and the why, why should they join, not just for themselves, but actually what's the bigger purpose as a whole, and companies need to get onto this pretty pretty quick. And, and make sure it's uh, authentic. So after being such um, a, a clever and um, <laughs> you're raising your eyes to the, to the scene here, but, but, but you, you know, you've obviously got a lot of brain power and you're seeing a lot of things and you've travelled around and, 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 you know, Min right at the cusp of some of those things. Um, you've sort of moved into the chatbot world. Now, wh why has that particularly interested you? Yeah. Do, do you feel it's not being done very well? Is that, is that, is that <laughs> or, or do you think there's a gap? Or So why have you honed in on that? Yeah, so shall I say a little bit about chatbots and kind of w how I explain them? Why not? Yes. Um, so we've all used web chat. Sarah's typically. really keen on that because she doesn't know what they are. Well, that's excellent. <laughs> I, I don't, but I should pretend do I. I do. Uh, <laughs> So think about using web chat. We've all used it. We type an interface, to, say to a retailer, we're returning some shoes or some clothes. And you type to a person, Doris or Fred, and poor Doris and Fred are probably managing eight or 10 conversations simultaneously. So they say to you, hello. And then 15 seconds later, they may ask you a question. It's all quite slow and, and pretty staccato. But of course, if you could automate that process, what you would have would be an entirely frictionless process where you said something quite open and genuine. I bought these shoes, they don't fit me, I don't like the colour, how do I send them back in a kind of open in a way. And at the same, in near real time, you get a response saying, oh, just do this. So you'd go from intent to action completion in literally seconds, because all you've done, express yourself and you've been understood. So a clever computer at one side understands what to do with you at that point. No more waiting, delays or hassles. So what you're saying is that's an automated answer. It's not a person who's typing that answer out right in that point of real time. And more, it's that. So it's 24-7 available. It's instant response. 
and it's intelligent, by which I mean if you say something that it can work with, it will know. So if you say, um, get me a flight to Paris, it's perfectly reasonable for the system to say, when do you want to go? But if you say, get me a flight to Paris in the next two weeks as cheap as possible, I want to go on a Friday, come back on a Sunday, what have you got? That's a totally normal way of expressing a need and a demand. It's not typing into some search engine. It's not answering a question through a chat, but it's just asking and expressing something and getting a response instantly, whether it's voice or typing. But that's really difficult because actually what you're doing is you're using a whole lot of vocabulary there, which 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 is quite colloquial, and and you're expecting that computer then to pick that up. And you might use slightly different vocabulary if you're, say, from Newcastle, as you might do if you're in Bristol, uh, you know, slightly different words. Uh, and and yet we're expecting that automated reply to still understand what you're saying. Exactly that. And it is probably one of the hardest problems in artificial intelligence broadly. It's what, what gets called computational linguistics, but simply put, how do you understand everyday language? Vernacular, slang, ambiguity too. So let's think of a, a really easy example. You say... Um, get me a cab because my sister's hurt her arm. Okay, that's a perfect reasonable thing to say. Now, a thin AI system will understand you want a cab, but it'll also try to match the rest of that with something meaningful. <laughs> She'll get a cab to Seven Sisters or the Sisters Restaurant or wherever. <laughs> you... Now, that's a fun, trivial example. It kind or of the is. Army and Navy. Well, wherever, wherever's got sister in it. Um, and that will be artificially intelligent, obviously somewhat useless. That sounds like fun because it's just a cab order, right? But you think about moving money around or buying something. Well, those things start to really matter. And, of course, language is... As I am now, ambiguous, rather verbose, and all of those things, quite naturally. And that is how we like to express ourselves. And in instant messaging, which where chatbots tend to live, so people type away to a, to a firm, if you talk to people who use instant messenger a lot, you, you look at how many key t- keystrokes you make, you might say to them, well, who's going to type all that stuff? Well, the answer is 2 billion plus people on instant messenger daily who write constantly in dialogues and crucially in conversation. So if you think about Alexa, you may have Alexa at home or seen one where you talk to it at home and you say, hey, Alexa, what's the weather? Play me this track. It's pretty cool technology, right? But it's not conversational, really. You can't engage in a conversation with Alexa about life, the universe, and everything. It doesn't reply to you and say something interesting for you then to respond to that's meaningful to get your completion. So there's no real conversation. And so the reason chatbots, if you like, now struggle, and there are tens of thousands of these things, the reason they deliver such poor experiences is not because engineers are stupid or companies are stupid. Very, very far from it. It's because they're trying to solve a very difficult problem and they all just lack one thing, which is the understanding of everyday language. And if you lack that, they're kind of broken. They don't understand you, so and they that, don't that work. That doesn't even take into account irony, of which, obviously, or sarcasm, of which we're obviously world-beating in the UK, um, or, or very, very strong regional accents or you know anything like that. And what I love at the moment, because I'm going to say Alexa again, is that anybody's listening to this at home, their Alexa will be piping up, <laughs> yeah. uh, which will really annoy them. But, um, yeah. uh, but, but, but seriously, the, 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 there's so many dimensions to the way human beings speak. Yes. You know, verbally, uh, communicate verbally. It's almost, oh, I can't even imagine how you, you know, program or, or work your way around that. So if you start at the basic point, which is where we are today. So, you know, Action AI is solving the problem in industry. So we will work with, let's say, retailers to solve the retail problem or we'll work with tr- travel or flights. There's no magic in artificial. So we haven't got any magic either. We've done a lot of years building technology to solve problems in certain uh, certain domains. If you look at what Google are doing and Amazon and those guys, they are also providing what's called natural language processing, essentially language understanding technology. And it's, it's interesting, but it's not sufficient to power a conversation. But they're chasing a bigger prize than we are. They're mm. chasing the ability for all of us to say anything. You know, how tall is Everest? I want, I want to book my holiday tomorrow. 
is my daughter's homework due? All of that stuff, it will understand it all and respond. But we're at least 15 years away from that. Yeah. So, so they are aggressively fighting, and I don't blame them because the prize is huge. Whereas a company like ours is helping companies to just, if you like, make money or provide services now that are conversational. So let's take healthcare. You know, I happen to be in a healthcare thing this afternoon. You think about people with chronic long-term conditions and how they want to manage them. Now, at three in the morning, when you are, because of either you know, a, a serious illness or perhaps you're elderly, you want some information on a prescription or a drug or what do I do if I miss the drug? You try to get that information in the normal conventional way, pick up the phone, you know, good luck with that, book an appointment with a doctor. Well, that's not straightforward. And actually your question is pretty straightforward, but how do you engage with a conversational interface that's obviously trusted, understands your first time every time? So the bar's high, but it's deliverable if you solve the language problem. And that's all we are doing, just that bit. All the other stuff needs to be in place, of course. So how are you solving the language problem? Is it actually just huge, huge, massive, massive data sets of, of, of programming every single, you know, version of a particular word or, or way in which you respond to a particular phrase? So it's actually massive data. Yeah, so not really, no. So that does... Because that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like too no, hard. It's, it's actually it's how most people are doing that. it. No, 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 but that's how most people do it. So okay. the challenge with that is if we all sit in a room and think, right, we're going to launch something and able to book flights. So we'll all sit. There are six of us at this table currently and we'll all think of ways to, you know, get I'll me a flight by flight. Yeah. And we'll feel terribly clever after two hours because we have a thousand statements maybe. That's great. Sadly, there may be two or three million ways of asking for a flight but when you bring into vernacular and casual language and informality and asterisks and smileys and all of those things. So you can't, it's practically impossible to build language in that way. So what we do is we'll take some of those statements. You have to know something about flights, right? There's no, as I say, it's no magic. But then we will essentially, what's called generating what you call trip, we'll auto-generate a lot of data around that. So we build a language space. So you give me five statements. How do you fill into the five million? And I guess that's what our technology is about doing. And also, crucially, when people express themselves, they'll say things that they want, get me a flight, but they'll say a whole lot of irrelevant stuff to that particular need, like the cab and my sister's broken her arm. All terribly interesting. So how on earth do you know what's relevant and what isn't relevant? And that's really hard. Without knowing everything, how can I distinguish what is and isn't relevant in a given phrase? So that's the sort of technology we've built that sits on top of people, can do on people like, we partner with people like Amazon and Microsoft and Google. They're all great guys but you just haven't got conversational technology. So that's all we're bringing to the table. But it's the key bit between it being darn frustrating because it doesn't understand me again and it having a chat with me and, and an intelligent chat that got me from, hey, just, I just want to get something done to completion in seconds. That's what chatbots should do. They so just how, don't do so it. So how are you doing that? If you, You're not giving away any you know, state secrets yeah. here. But So how are you doing that? And so you're shortcutting that and doing it in a much more intelligent way, I'm guessing. Um, and what does that involve? Because if it's not about massive amount of data, how, how are you doing that? How well, are you shortcutting it? So data is great. We love lots of data, of course. Mm. But in, in the real world of AI, data is one of the things that's made AI possible. AI is possible now because of three things. Lots of computing power, really clever algorithms, and training data. Stuff you can look at and analyse. The trouble, of course, is if you talk to a business, they'll have lots of data. But it isn't necessarily structured for AI. And we won't get into that too much. So you have to look at that data. and Okay, there's some stuff here about flight ordering. That's tremendously useful. But actually, what are the things that we need to think about? So what's synonymous with flight? To keeping it really simple, obviously you handle things like vernacular and spelling. What are the, what's, what's synonymous with flight? What's another word for flight? You know, trip, whatever it is. And then how do you deal with ambiguity? And that's, that's really where we build technology to analyse language. So someone puts a statement into our machine, if you like, and it gets processed through about 20 different modules that do things to it. And out the other end it says, despite this person saying all of this stuff, they want to book a flight to Paris tomorrow. Okay, now we know they've got a dog called Whiskey, and they live in Northumberland, and some of that stuff may or may not be relevant. But actually what is relevant is this, and that's what they want to do. 
Let's get back to them, not in two seconds, in milliseconds, with a meaningful response to that. And it won't mention their dog called Whiskey because they're not taking the dog. So what you're doing then is instead of having a, a, a you know, response to every single word that's in there, so you've got, you've got a, you know, a sentence of 20 words, right. people are analysing big data and they're, they're, they're coming up with all these massive you know, variations on what all those 20 words mean, what you're saying is you've built intelligence that will go, of those 20 words... Those, those 16 are irrelevant. These are these four. And therefore, I'm making um, this algorithm is then making uh, an intelligent assumption about actually what that person wants. So it's decoding that question as opposed to trying to analyze every word and come up with a yes. version for it. And crucially, because we are in the world of AI, as we all hear every day at the moment, and machine learning, which is where we are currently in the phase, the phase of AI, what it actually does is it learns. So let's just say, just to be silly about this, someone calls flight in, the, in Hull, it's called a Zloty. Now, I know it's not because I'm from there, but let's just pretend it is. So, so one day, after six months of operation, a BA have this wonderful flight thing, and someone said Zloty, and they mean flight, right? Well, unless you're going to have a, lots of people in a room looking at every single transaction, every dialogue, which is impossible, you've got millions of them. So how do you automate that training? How does it recognize that Zloty means flight? And that's when it gets smart. That's what, obviously, we do. So that's when machine learning is used, because it's, you're analyzing every single dialogue. You're looking at where it fits in an utterance, what its relevance is, is it ambiguous or not? And therefore, you can work out that Zloty means flight, so which is not evident. Off. It's learning off itself. It has to learn. But yeah. the key bit about chatbots, which is why they're so bad, is that what companies have done, unfortunately, is they've released chatbots into the market that haven't done the learning. Yeah. So they're expecting yeah. us to teach them. So firstly, they can't learn because they're not built using AI, despite what they tell you. First, That's the first problem. The second thing is... So they're literal <coughs> instead of actually using AI. They're, they're what typically is called rules-based. So someone's yeah, sat in a room absolutely. building lots of rules. So human rules, in, in essence, have been have been applied. Or what they do then, they do that. And then they'll provide what we call a thin layer of AI. So they'll try to match some stuff. It's a bit like the sister as an Uber example. They'll run around trying to find something relevant to sister without saying, is it relevant? Is it ambiguous? What's the meaning of this? What's the context? So you, they're just as frustrating. And those systems break. So it's frustrating. But, you know... If you like grown-ups in the space, some of the big companies that have been playing this space for two or three years now are now realising that if you invest in the language, then you can have a great experience because we're no longer on the web, we're no longer in wizards and drop-down menus, we're just expressing ourselves, voice or text. And while we're in instant message on Facebook Messenger, you're chatting away with your retailer, you can do that while you're chatting to your friend about your social life or arranging a work appointment, and it will work. It doesn't today, but it's, it's here. The technology's here. And when the chairman, of, uh, CEO of Microsoft uh, and Mark Zuckerberg both said effectively... In March 2016, conversation interfaces are as exciting as the web. That sounds like hype. If it's they were, not hype. It's, it's not hype it's got to be when way. it gets delivered, right? Yeah. And so our job is to make turn that what has been lots of perhaps uh, low-quality experiences, how do you make them great? And there's lots of smart engineers out there building experiences. They can build the back ends of these things. They understand their business, their retailer, better than we ever will. But we'll plug in what we call language as a service and the work with Action AI, and they become smart. That's all we're doing. But it's the key differentiator between frustrating dumb experiences you want to throw across the room or scream at are ones that feel great and a part of your life and away you go carrying on that's the objective sandra is that uh, sandra where does that come from <laughs> sarah <laughs> did um, be sandra today does that um that really makes sense doesn't it and, and i do think that the, the days of us typing are probably going to be over fairly soon 
Yeah, I do. I, um, I, I think it's a little bit scary at the same time because it's unknown. And I think there's always going to be a fear associated with the unknown. Um, I, I just think, uh, you know, when you're talking there about the CEO of Microsoft and, and chatbots, etc., just I can't remember what the name of the, the bot that they created on Twitter, but it went a little bit loopy and mm. um, and, and it had to be uh, taken down. And, and again, equally, just recently with Facebook as well, they had um, uh, they were creating their own... Um, AI internally and um, again they had to take that down because actually it was becoming too intelligent and almost creating a language of its own yeah that's right there's, there's an important I think perhaps misconception in the market so there are mm. there are ways of doing let's call it broad AI for the sake of being yeah. clumsy with terminology which is when you set you put something out there which is what Microsoft did as an experiment and let people train it yeah. and what they're going to do is they're going to swear at it be racist crude probably sexist and generally pretty horrible we won't mention Donald Trump but they will they will they will create a character that is not pleasant to be with. Of course, that's not how people, companies or people like us do things. So you build a training data set around retail, you can swear it all day long. You can be horrendous and racist. It will learn none of it. It will come back and say, well, I'm sorry, would you like to return your shoes? And that's what you'll get. So there's a myth out there that there's this scary AI. It isn't. You've got to be pretty foolish to put something out there as an empty vessel and say to teenagers, you know, in their bedrooms, come train it because they're going to create a beast because it's entertaining, right? It's fun. Mm -hmm. But in the real world of AI, you create a use case around retail and it will be brilliant at retail. If you say, you know, I want to go on a mountain holiday, it'll say, sorry, we don't do mountain holidays. Mm. If you swear at it, it might say, please don't be rude, but it isn't going to learn from it. So its learning will be in the domain that it's Mm. in and that's critical. Mm. So there's an awful lot of fear about AI that is misplaced really. There's nothing magical. AI is, you know, trust me, developers and engineers, they're coding stuff. Yes, there are brilliant algorithms. Yes, there's training data and it will learn. But it doesn't go from being quite good at dealing with retail returns and purchases to learning about how to, you know, uh, handle military industrial complexes. Mm. Trust me, this is really hard. When you see the nuts and bolts of this stuff, you become less, much less fearful of, of the reality, as we all do in all of our day jobs. But yes, that it was called Tay and it became horrible. It was an experiment. Microsoft were naive from a PR point of view. Technically, it was fun, but no one's going to do anything like it in, in my world. You build training sets around retail or flights and it's brilliant at that. Mm. From another perspective as well, actually, when talking about um, AI, uh, I wonder whether um, it could be an interesting perception for a key to loneliness and for the older generation. That's the piece that I think that would be really interesting. The fact Why that are you looking got... at me? No. <laughs> I thought she was looking at me. <laughs> oh, All right. um, this is me sitting on my own just chatting with my I next think that, stage Alexa. I, I think that's great. I think there's huge, huge opportunity there, isn't there? Yeah. And I think if you're talking about something that is... Um, sympathetic and we're not replacing people. I think there's an important thing here. We don't start saying, well, we'll deliver social care and, you know, counselling via robot. I think we're a long way from that being a good or reliable thing. But if the option is loneliness um, compared with some form of conversing, that's pretty powerful. Now, it may not be as great as having grandchildren running around a place if you're an elderly person, but, you know, it might be better than staring at the snooker all afternoon, right? Or or in, in addition to. Mm. And that, that technology is, is possible, you know, as, as we all know. So... It's exciting times, um, both John, kind of commercial I, think, I mean, I think what you're doing is uh, amazing. Um, and, and if a company wants to use your technology, um, if they go on action.ai, they can find out more about it. But essentially what you do is you allow companies to, have to, to, to use these platforms that you're developing so they don't have to develop them themselves. Exactly. They plug in, then what they do, we solve that language problem for them. So hopefully they don't have to spend a great deal of money hiring AI people who probably aren't computational linguists anyway and can do other stuff brilliantly, 
and get a bit stuck, which is what we've seen. So yeah, we'd love to talk with obviously with companies that are serious about delivering just really high quality experiences. That's where it's at. Fascinating. Um, we've just got about 30 seconds to go, Paul. Um, having been into Las Vegas at the uh, Consumer <laughs> Electronics Show, AI chatbots? Uh, saw a lot of AI, well, quote unquote AI sort of stuff. I saw an Alexa powered shower, which terrified <laughs> me because she doesn't understand uh, half of my questions that I ask her. So, you know, I don't want to tell her 106 degrees when I get 160 degrees. Uh, but it's uh, an interesting idea for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I think, um, and I really appreciated your points and some very honest advice on where we are because yeah, I think there's absolutely. a lot of that lacking in the long, industry. Long, long way to go. Long, yeah. long way to go. So um, you've been listening to the Tech Talk show. I'd like to thank uh, Hayley Friedman of Charge It. Thank you very much, Hayley, for coming along. Pleasure. Slash name. And uh, you can go and look at what they're doing on Charge It. And don't forget, that's not got an E, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we've got wrong before. And John Taylor, really fascinating, John, of Action AI. And I know that you're working with all sorts of companies at the moment, like ASOS and Telefon and Unilever. So, so people are really getting into this properly now, aren't they? Which is good. So thank you for joining no, us. No, absolute pleasure. Thank you. And to my fellow presenters, uh, Sarah Luxford of Tech London Advocates and Paul Armstrong, author of Disruptive Technologies, just come back from Las Vegas. Thank you for coming along. And uh, please, if you want to recommend any future guests, someone you thinks doing something groundbreaking, like Hayley or John, get in touch with us via Twitter on at Tech Talk Show UK. Or, of course, we've got hundreds of podcasts now, so please go to techtalkshow.co.uk and I hope you have a good week with your chatbot at home. <laughs> Bye now. Bye.